to drown me out. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for that. Hey, I got a word for you today. <clears throat> Three of you. Okay. <sighs> Peter, James, and John, I'm preaching to you today. Hallelujah. <laughs> Go with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to be eternal. I'm not going to be everlasting because I believe the Lord is wanting to move in our life and in our midst today. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 2. We're in this series entitled Full House. We're actually going to complete this series today. I've subtitled this message, It's in the Wind. It's in the wind. It is in the wind. As we finish this series of Full House, it is in the wind. As, as we're leaving this series, and as we are right at day eight of our sacred assembly, our 21 days of prayer and fasting, as we are standing in one of the most chaotic seasons in our world, and as we are next Sunday going to launch the word that God has for this house in 2021, can't wait to unleash that next Sunday, <clears throat> as, as we do that, I believe that this message this morning is an imperative to understand how to grasp the world of the spirit with the world of the flesh, with secularism, with sacred, um, sacred assemblies like what we're in, and try to figure out how to navigate. What we have to do if we're going to figure out how to navigate is we're going to have to make sure that we stay in the wind. As we're going through this, listen to me, God is not coming back for the church of America. Hang with me here. I want you to understand today, this is an imperative message in light of what we're going through, in light of what we're facing, and the transitions that God is doing even in this church with the new word that he's released us in 2021. I want you to understand this has been an awakening. God, God convicted me just this week. <clears throat> because for the last several weeks, I've been talking about the Church of America, the Church in America, the revival's coming to America, the Church of America, the Church of America. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, I'm not coming back for the Church of America because I'm not American. Come on. And I just want you to know he's not Democrat. He's not Republican. He's not independent. He's not a patriot. He is God all by himself. There is a reason why Jesus came during the Roman Empire. Because the, the Roman Empire is the greatest picture of what the kingdom of heaven really looks like. He said, I want you to live in a world, watch this, the Roman Empire did not take over land and put everyone in slavery. What they did is they sent ambassadors and governors into all of those regions. And by authority, they began to change the atmosphere and the way of life and the way of living for those people. And the reason why Jesus came during the Roman Empire, because up until that moment, there had never been a greater picture of what kingdom looked like on the earth. He did not wait to come back while America was in charge, because we want to vote on everything. We want to determine whether Jesus is this side or Jesus is that side, whether Jesus is a Republican, whether Jesus is a, is a Democrat, whether Jesus is independent, whether we, whether we can vote, whether the, whether the church is, is Pentecostal or non-Pentecostal, that we get to vote and we get to have an opinion and our voice matters. Listen, none of that stuff matters. The only thing that matters is that you and I are ambassadors of Christ, and our job is to go say what he says to say and operate in the authority that the king has given us to operate in. 
I know this is making some of you mad because you've fallen in love with the American church. He's not coming back for the church of America, but he is coming back for his church, the church of Jesus Christ, the church that is his bride, that is without spot and without blemish. And one of the great indicators of whether you're a part of the church of America or the church of Jesus Christ is how satisfied you feel every day living in sin and never have to surrender it to Jesus versus making him the king and the Lord of our lives. I don't anticipate getting very amens this morning, but I'm here today to unlock truth in spite of the propaganda we're surrounded by. He is coming back. As a matter of fact, I've been studying on a personal level. I've been walking through the parables of Jesus because the only thing that, that, that really is going to sustain us, heaven and earth will pass away. But this, and when this became flesh and dwelt among us and then gave us more this, I really want to understand what the word in the word for the word is. So I've been studying the parables. And, and I, the parable that has really locked, I've locked into as it relates to this message this morning is the parable of the ten virgins. The ten brides that are preparing and adorning themselves to come into the wedding supper with the groom. Watch this. Ten brides. And the requirement for all ten brides, here it is, is that they have a lamp. His word is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light unto my path. All ten brides had a Bible. But the problem is... He didn't come as quickly as they thought he would. And they didn't have enough oil to sustain the fire so that things wouldn't get too dark. Everywhere you see oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. There wasn't enough anointing with the Word in their life to keep the fire of the Holy Ghost lit for them. So here's what happened. Over time, they burned out. And when they burnt out, things went dark. And when things went dark, they got left. Y'all not going to preach with me? It's okay. It's okay. The question, I'm so tired of hearing people talk about how tired they are. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Listen, you need some oil. If you're from the country, you need some earl. You need to get a good dash of anointing. You need to come into a place where they're going to lube you up for Jesus, and they're going to make sure that there's enough anointing in the room to keep the fire lit so that when the groom shows up, there's enough fire for us to follow him the rest of the way. But here's my warning this morning. Half of them missed it, yet they thought they were going. I believe this is the greatest picture of the Church of America. We've fallen in love with being the church of America instead of the church of Jesus. So we come into the church of America and we worship a version of Jesus that is not him. So when that version of Jesus does not come through, we walk away from the real version. Meanwhile, we've perverted that version wondering why he's not really God. I got news for you this morning. He's sovereign. He's sovereign. He's sovereign when everything is great. He's sovereign when all hell's breaking loose. He's sovereign. He's sovereign. The earth is the Lord's. Okay. So, it, how do I live forward, faith forward, 
I must surrender to the wind. It's in the wind. Wind, wind is an interesting thing. I'm going to give you three definitions real quick. Wind is air moving, watch this, sometimes a considerable force from an area of high pressure pushed down to an area of low pressure. Wind is the result of a high thing coming to a low thing. When a high thing comes to a low thing, that pressure pushes wind. Okay. In the Bible, when you see wind, it is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, so when we hear wind, what you should really be hearing is Holy Spirit. When a high thing is pushed down to a low thing, it creates a considerable force. This is why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm calling those things. Whatsoever things you bind on earth are bound because of heaven. And whatsoever things you loose on earth are loosed. We're bringing high things down to a low place. And the only way it gets here is through the wind. A wind is a tendency or a force that influences events. Uh, one of my things that, oh, over this, this season of sickness, um, um, you know, there's a smell with sickness. Your breath stinks, your body stinks, and you just, you might know what I'm talking about. One of the greatest things that happened through Corona is if you lost your smell. I've talked to people who got COVID-19, and they're like, I got dirty diapers all over the place. I didn't smell any of them. And I'm like, was it yours or your children's? This is the question I'm, you must answer. And so, I almost went deeper, but I'm glad I didn't. And she said, yep. It, it is an imperative that it moves things. M, M would open the windows in our house. Now, it's 40 degrees outside. But she would open the windows in our front room, and then she would open the sliding glass door in the back of the house because it would create a wind tunnel because she would rather it be cold and be clear of that aroma and atmosphere than for us to continue to remain stagnant in a sick environment. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? The problem is there would be gusts of wind that would come through the house, and it would blow over papers, it would knock down cups, it would do all kinds of things. Things that were in one area would be shifted into completely different areas. Why? Not because I moved it, but because the wind came in and it shifted. What are you saying? I'm saying when the wind of the Spirit comes into a place, it will move things that you thought couldn't move, and it will do things that you thought it couldn't do, and a stagnant environment of sickness and disease cannot stay with the wind blows. And I say at 12615 Seal Creek Road, we open the windows and blow in this place, oh God. Uh, the third definition is breath. Breath, that when I breathe, uh, we, were, we were sitting at our, we, um, M, M runs a lot of essential oils, a lot of essential oils, and, and we're surrounded by essential oils. If you ever smell me, I probably smell like an essential oil. 
I got oregano on me. I got parsley on me. I got basil on me. I smell like a doggone pizzeria. She's putting it on my feet. She's putting it on my temples. You go in my office right now, I got defense going on. I got defense. I got the nephew. I got Denise. I don't know what's going on in there. I got frankincense. I got myrrh. I mean, I got everything blowing in there. And I'm like, I ain't going to say this. Never mind. For all my married people, I'm looking for like the aphrodisiac versions of essential oil because I'm like, I'm going to put it in your face. Hallelujah. Hey, I'm 23 years in and I'm still in love. Hallelujah. Let me say it. You know what I'm saying? There you go. I said, 11 o'clock. I don't know why y'all keep coming. I'm much spiritual, much more spiritual than I am. And she's putting, she's putting all this stuff. And we were sitting there and we we're having dinner. It, it is the weirdest thing. Some of you understand what I'm saying. It is the weirdest thing to be sitting at the dinner table smelling essential oils you're not eating. It is weird. It is weird. But I want to I kiss her at night, so I, I endure. So I'm sitting there. I'm sitting at the table at my spot, and I'm like, what's going on? This essential oil is just blowing. You see this little mist going into the air, the atmosphere. And I'm like, I wonder if this whole six feet apart is really a thing. So I got six feet apart, and I coughed at it, and nothing happened. But then I looked at it, and I went, and I blew at it. And all of a sudden, that whole thing shifted. That all that mist that was going in this direction now went into another, in the place, in the, it got in the current of my breath. And my breath forced it into a new dimension and a new place. What are you saying? I'm saying what God, when God begins to breathe, it will take what's going in one direction and shift it into a completely different direction because it got in the current of the breath of God. Listen, I don't know where your mind is going. I don't know where your peace is going. I don't know where your joy is going. I don't know where your love is going. But I'm asking God to breathe in this place that it gets in the current of where he wants it to go in your house in spite of where it may be going. Listen, it is an invisible force that rushes into an atmosphere to shift and to change it and usher in what is riding in that current of force. What I love about the wind is nobody can see it coming and nobody can determine where it's headed. In other words, Holy Spirit will not be controlled. Now we're in Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all gathered together in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound as a rushing mighty wind, here's full house, and it filled the house where they were sitting. The wind came into the house, and it filled the house. Listen, the reason why the wind came into that house was not because of the house. It was because of the spirit of unity that was in that house in that moment. If they gathered together and some were afraid and some were angry and some were scared and some were sad, nothing would have happened. But if they all got together and they were in one accord saying, God, I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to do something, what would happen in this place if instead of being in attendance, we all got in accord with each other? What sign, what wonder, what miracle would take place? I believe with all of my heart, I believe with all of my heart, what would happen in this room would look something like this.
A fresh outpouring again, oh God. We say right here, do it again, oh God. Let the wind blow again. Let the fire fall again. Change our language again. Do whatever it is you got to do again. Lord, we come into agreement in the spirit of unity right now. And we decree and we declare, let a fresh outpouring of your spirit fall in our place. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Somebody say amen in this place this morning. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody give God glory in this place this morning. Somebody give him the praise in this place this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise your holy name. We praise your righteous name. We praise your lovely name. We praise your everlasting name. We praise your strong name. We praise your refugee name. We praise your glorious name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, you must understand. John chapter 3, verse 8. The Bible says that the wind blows where it wishes. I need you to understand, this move of the Holy Spirit will not be manipulated. This thing will not be under the control of a man. I know the Spirit is subject to the prophet, but I need you to understand, if the prophet is in line with the Spirit, the Spirit is going to have his way. We say we don't make room for Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you have the whole room. It all belongs to you. For everyone that is born of the Spirit, I need you to hear me this morning. We must get into unity. In a world that's trying to divide us in this room, we must get in unity. And I need you to hear me because, listen, unity is not uniformity. Understand, unity is not uniformity. When you have uniformity, all you got to do is go to a job that has uniforms. They want you to look the same because they want to diminish the distinctions. Because because of the name of the company you represent, you are looking and acting and representing that thing a certain way. That is called uniformity. God is not looking for a bride who looks the same, who acts the same, who talks the same, who comes from the same perspectives. That is uniformity. But the power of unity is in diversity. We do not put away our diversity for the sake of unity. We put in our diversity and we surrender it to the one who unifies us. He is the spirit of unity. 
It is called unity in the spirit. What, what does that mean? That means I want you to bring your perspective. I want you to bring your upbringing. I want you to bring whatever things are distinctness in our life because you have the opportunity to merge ourselves together under one banner, which is Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, and we are the redeemed, and we say so this morning. The power of unity is in our diversity. This is why I don't want a young church. I don't want an old church. I don't want a dead church. I don't, I don't want an emotional church. I don't want a white church. I don't want a black church. I wouldn't mind a Latino church. Because we would have some good food. And fat boys got to eat. Hallelujah. Even in the fast. I don't want a Latino church. I don't want a church that's got only rich people. I don't want a church that's only got poor people. I don't want a church that's only middle class people. I want it to look like heaven so when we get there, we know how to act. This is why we're here. This is why we're here. It's in the wind. I want to give you four guiding principles of what happens in the wind, give you the text, and then we're going to pray. And I believe the wind is going to blow. Number one, real change happens in the wind. I'm not talking about bubblegum change. I'm not talking about emotionalism change. I'm not talking about act one way change on Sunday and act the same way the rest of the week. But real change happens in the wind. Look at, look at Genesis chapter 2. This is the first wind we see in the Bible. Verse number 7. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils. There's the wind. And the breath of life. And man became changed into a living being. What was once not existing became existing because the wind got in. I want you to understand this morning that in a place where the Spirit is the Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit is Lord, okay, prepositional phrase, of the Lord. Where the Spirit is the Lord, He's in charge, liberty, change happens. What kind of change? Well, go to Isaiah. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me. He hath anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted, change. To set at liberty those into bondage, change. To bring sight to the blinds, change. To declare the acceptable year of the Lord to the people who feel unacceptable, change. Change after change after change. What are you saying? I'm saying you can really be free. You can really be delivered. You don't have to say, hey, my name's Glenn Walters and I'm an alcoholic. I'll always be an alcoholic. Hey, Glenn, you're glad to be. No, he can break alcoholism. He can break addictions. He can break perversion. He can put things back together, and he can break things into a, play, a bloody crisp, and it never be put back together in because real change happens in the wind. Number two, not only real change, but two, provision is in the wind. Provision is in the wind. Look at Numbers chapter 11, verse 31. Huh. 
Then a wind from the Lord sprang up. That's what I'm asking God to do in somebody's life this morning. I'm asking for a spring up wind to blow into your situation. You didn't know it was coming. You didn't know what was happening, but it just kind of sprang up. And when people start asking, well, where in the world did that come from? I don't know. It just sprang up on me from the Lord. The Lord just surprised me too. I can't believe I'm walking in this level of provision and promotion. I didn't even know it was coming. I didn't know how it was going. It just sprang up from the Lord. The Lord did it. It just, it just came. It surprised me too. I'm as shocked as you are. Look at it. And it brought, the wind brought the quail from the sea and let them fall beside the camp. Look at this. There was an allotment of quail that God had provided in advance for his people. Provision. Before you see the need for it, it has already been allotted. But the problem was, the provision was by the sea. And they could not see the sea. So the Lord brought a wind and pulled the provision into a place that was visible for them and then attainable for them. The Lord is saying, there are some things I have allotted for you that you can't even see are yours, but I'm about to spring up a wind and put it in a vicinity where you can get a vision that is yours, and then you'll go run after it and grab hold of it. Provision is in the wind. Number three, uh, separation is in the wind. Uh-oh. Separation is in the wind. Separation is in the wind. What, one of my favorite, one of my favorite places in the Bible is when you read about this thing called a threshing floor. It's one of my favorite things to study. I love the tabernacle of Moses. It's my favorite. But this is like a close second or third, the threshing floor. I, if you like word studies, I encourage you to study out threshing floor. As a matter of fact, Juanita Bynum wrote a great book many, many years ago about this threshing floor. And, and, and I want you to hear me. It was a big stone that had been hollowed and hewn out that farmers would bring their wheat to. They would bring the wheat and they would gather all of the harvest of the wheat and they would lay it on this stone called the threshing floor. And what would happen at the threshing floor is the farmer would look at the harvest, but the problem was there was wheat there, the stalks were there, and then what the Bible describes as chaff or unnecessary things that have been attached to the harvest, it was all laid at the threshing floor. David spent times hiding on his face at the threshing floor. I encourage you to study it if you're a word study person. Here it is at the threshing floor where the farmer has brought its harvest of wheat, laid it on the threshing floor, and then began to pound the harvest. He began to work the harvest, began to pound it, begin to move it, begin to smack it, begin to work with it, begin to shake it. But the problem was it wasn't a pure harvest. Because there was still a stalk. You know what a stalk is. A stalk is the thing that God used to create the harvest. But it is not the harvest. Did you hear what I said? God used the stalk to create the harvest. But it's now harvest time 
And the stalk was not a part of the harvest. It was just the thing he used for the harvest. This is why God will use things in our life that can't stay later. It may have been the thing that brought harvest, but that doesn't mean it was the harvest. Okay. So it all gets to the threshing floor. It all comes to the threshing floor. The harvest comes to the threshing floor, the thing God used to create the harvest to the threshing floor, and then the unnecessary wasteful chaff to the threshing floor. And the farmer would beat it, and the farmer would work it, and the farmer would do these things for it. But the problem was, if the farmer was going to separate harvest from everything else, it would have taken him weeks and months on his knees to divide and to separate what's harvest and what's unnecessary versus what's a waste. So they would grab a tool called a winnowing fork. It looked like a pitchfork, but with three spikes instead of multiple that we would see today. This winnowing fork would be like a pitchfork in our day. And the farmer would take the winnowing fork and he would slide it into that which has been pounded, that which has been worked. And the Bible says all throughout the scriptures, Old Testament and New, that the farmer would take the harvest and the stalk and the chaff with the winnowing fork and throw it to the wind. It would take the harvest, it would take the stalk, and it would take the chaff, and he would throw it to the wind. Because what would have taken him weeks and months to divide? A moment in the wind would create the necessary separation. Let me show you to you in the text. In Matthew chapter 3, this is Jesus talking with John the Baptist right here. Indeed, I baptize you with water under repentance, but he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worried, worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Now watch this. His winnowing fan in his hand. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn and he will burn it up and burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Let me tell you why they would throw it to the wind. Because the harvest had more weight than the thing that created it. The harvest has more weight than the chaff attached to it. So they would throw it into the wind, and the wind would blow away the chaff, and it would separate and divide the thing God used to create the harvest, so that the only thing that would land back on the threshing floor was the weighty harvest of wheat. In the wind came the separation. Pastor, what are you saying to me? I'm simply saying this, that that sin, that thing, even those things that God used to get you where you are, none of those things carry the same weight of what God is releasing into your life. And the only way it gets divided and separated is if you and I determine we're going to throw it to the wind. What needs to stay will stay. What needs to go will go. Have your way, Holy Spirit, it's in the wind. 
the chaff was too light to be harvested. And the stalks didn't have enough weight to be harvested. The only thing that would land in front of the farmer was what God deemed the harvest for their life. And it happened at the threshing floor being thrown to the wind. Let me go deeper. Isaiah 17, 13. The nations roar like many roaring waters, but he will rebuke them and they will flee. Watch this. Chased like the chaff on the mountains before the wind and whirling dust before the storm. In Psalm 1, 4, the wicked are not so. This leaped all over me in the first service. The wicked are not so. To call them, to allow them to live in wickedness means that, that there is an opposing thing to God. That their wickedness can become voodoo on you, you. You, you cannot put that on me. I don't receive that. You are not going to put that on me, and everything you tried to put on me by way of curse will be like chaff that the Spirit will drive away from me. It was a reminder to me this morning, the Holy Spirit said, stop receiving what I did not send. Stop receiving what I didn't send. Stop receiving what I didn't send. Huh. Number four, and I'm done. Life is in the wind. Huh. Real change is in the wind. Provision is in the wind. Separation is in the wind. Finally, number four, life is in the wind. We find this in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. And Ezekiel begins to prophesy. Look at verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and the Spirit of the Lord took me out and placed me, set me down in the midst, in the middle of a valley. The hand of the Lord, because of the Spirit of the Lord, brought the prophet to a low place. Now, do you know what a valley is? A valley is only created by two mountains that are coming together. That at the divide of the two mountains, if I'm living here, I'm on this mountain. If I'm living here, I'm on this mountain. But right here in the middle is where the two have come together. Are you following me? That a valley is the split of two mountains. In the center, in the midst, in the middle of the valley is where the Lord brought the prophet. He didn't bring him to this mountain. He didn't bring him to that mountain. He didn't bring him to this side. He didn't bring him to that side. He brought him right into the middle of the division. The hand of the Lord brought a prophet to the middle of division. Are you hearing the words? 
that are coming out of my mouth. God took a prophet and put the prophet right in the middle of division. And not only was it the middle of division, but there was calamity and loss and death all around. There was death on this side. There was death on this side. All throughout the valley, on this side and on this side. Whether it was the side you want to be on or whether it was the side you don't want to be on. There was death on both sides. And the prophet was in the middle of it because the hand of the Lord put him there. And then God asked a very interesting question. He says, prophet, can these bones live? I love Ezekiel because Ezekiel is a great picture of what you and I should do. He looks at God who brought him to this calamity and put him in the middle of this division and says, Lord, only you know. Ah, all I know is you know. I don't know what you're going to do with this, but I know you're going to do something with it. Lord, only you know. You know what is amazing to me in the middle of all this stuff that's happening in our world? How many people have the right answer on their Facebook? How many people are in in the United States? 300 million, 600 million, whatever it is, millions upon millions. And of all the people, you're the one that's enlightened. Come on, come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I I can't even look. Because you're the one who has the answer. And what, listen, people who are in darkness don't shock me when they get dark. But what blows my mind are the people who are in the light, who walk as children of the light, are as dark as the people who don't even know what light is. I don't get surprised when sinners are sinful. But what shocks me is those who are in the beloved act just like them. It shocks me. Thanks, Lonnie. It shocks me. It blows my mind. Out of everybody, you're the one. Listen, this is not the season to post. Hear me. Go to Office Depot, get you a whole big stack of post-its, and write whatever you want to write and put them on your mirror. But this is not the time to get on your social media and grandstand for likes. It is quiet in this Holy Ghost filled church. This is not the time. Let me tell you what it's time for, to do. This is not the time to post. This is the time that my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. 
Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and then I'll bring healing to the whole land. You don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to fix this, but I thank God that the king knows exactly what he's doing. Lord, you only know. You only know. He brings the prophet to the middle of the division, surrounded by death on every side. God says, can these dry bones live? Lord, only you know. So God looks at the prophet and says, hey, prophesy to the bones. Now, I've been preaching this for a very long time, but I had never seen this until Friday. Watch this. I want you to prophesy to the bones. I want you to prophesy not to the missing tendons, not to the missing blood, not to the missing flesh. I want you to prophesy to what's left. The joy you got left, prophesy to it. The peace you got left, prophesy to it. The love you got left, prophesy to it. I want you to prophesy to what's left. Not what's missing, prophesy to what's left. And the prophet prophesied, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And all of a sudden there was a snap, crackle, and a pop that took place. The Bible says in verse number 8 that the sinews, as tendons, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over. Watch this. But there was still no wind in them. God, because they prophesied to what's left, they saw things get put back together. And I believe, watch this, this is the greatest distinction between the church of America and the church of Jesus Christ. The church of America wants things to be put back together. When the church of Jesus Christ is saying, I want us to live in a new way. I do not want to go back to the way it was because the way it was is what's got us here. But the new thing he's trying to do will take us beyond where we are into the newness of what he has for us. I don't want him to put it back together. I want him to do something brand new. I don't want my life to be put back together and still not be able to live it. It was put back together, but there was still no breath. Verse 9, so God speaks to the prophet and says, now prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to the breath, come from the... Can't make this stuff up. Come from the four winds. Interesting. Four winds. Yeah. The north wind. The south wind. The east wind. The west wind. Come from the north wind, south wind, east wind. West wind. You still didn't get it. Come from the north wind, the south wind, the east wind, the west wind. 
You still didn't get it. Come from the north wind, the south wind, the east wind, and the west wind. Come from the north, the south, the east. And when they all converge, you know what it's called? It's called a crosswind. At the center of the crosswind is where the breath of God began to blow again. You didn't hear what I said. It was at the crosswind, the north, the south, the east, and the west. When they converged in the middle of the division, that is where life came back to dead things. It was at the crosswind. And those which were dead and had the wind of God, look at verse 10, became a great army. Today, if there's ever been a time for the church of Jesus Christ to get in the middle of the crosswind and be awakened as warriors for the kingdom of light, this is our moment. Hey, I don't know what it is you need today. I don't know if you need real change today. I don't know if you need provision today. I'm not sure if there's some things that God is trying to separate from you today. Or maybe you've drugged your dead self into this Holy Ghost filled place. You drug your dry self into this Holy Ghost filled place. Here's what I believe. That the wind of the Spirit is about to blow into your situation. And what needs to be shifted and changed will be changed. What needs to be provided will be unleashed. What needs to be separated will be surrendered to Him. And what needs to come alive again will find the breath of God over your life. It is in the wind. Stand with me all over the room. I want you to posture yourself in prayer right now. I don't care if it's coming forward. There were people on, the, on their faces all over the front. There were the people on their knees. There were people that were bent over in their chairs. There were people that were standing. There were people that were walking. I, I want you to posture yourself in prayer. And for the next 120 seconds, I want you to ask for the wind of the Spirit to blow in this place. For the next 120 seconds, I want you to posture yourself in prayer, and I want you to pray for the wind of the Spirit to blow in your life and across this place. I don't want him to just put in a section. I don't want him to fill a role. I want him to fill this entire house with the wind of the Spirit. Come on. Come on right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for the wind of the Spirit to fall fresh in this place. We pray, Lord, that you would do only something that you could get the credit for. We humble ourselves. Lord, if there's a sin in me, if there's a weight in me that would keep the purity of your presence out of my life, we yield and surrender it now. We throw it to the wind, oh God. We throw it to the wind, oh God. And we say, Spirit of the living God, blow in this place. Inhabit the praises of your people. 
for every time we've gotten angry, for every time we've gotten bitter, for every time we've gotten distracted, from every time when we jumped on one side or one mountain or one side of the other mountain, for every time we got caught up in the drama of being in the middle of the division, Lord, we prophesy your wind to fall, your wind to come. We throw it to the wind right now, God, and we ask you to blow in this place. I feel like we're at about a four. I want us to go to a six or a seven right now in intensity. Come on, I want you to turn the heat up. Let's press our way this morning.
worship, worship, worship. Come on, we're tarrying. That's all we're doing, we're tarrying. online and you are in a fight and the battlefield is your mind 
it, it may be depression. It may be anxiety. It may be fear. It may be anger. It may be perversion. But you are in a battle and your mind is the place where it is. Joyce Meyer book, Battlefield of the Mind. You are in the fight of your life and you know it's all in your head. I want to do something a little, a little bit radical this morning. I want you to take both your hands and I want you to lay your hands on your head. And I want you to seize control of your mind. I felt the Holy Ghost right in that moment. In the name of Jesus, I am not depressed. In the name of Jesus, I am not broken. In the name of Jesus, I am not suicidal. In the name of Jesus, I am not full of anxiety. In the name of Jesus, I am not in fear. In the name of Jesus, I am not angry. In the name of Jesus, I'm not alone. In the name of Jesus, I'm not, I'm not addicted. I'm not bound to that perversion. In the name of Jesus, I have the mind of Christ. Peace is mine. Joy is mine. Love is my portion. Those things are not the will of God. The will of God is that I have joy in the Holy Ghost. So I lay my hands on my mind and I say, be free. Be free in Jesus' name. Somebody shout for joy. Somebody shout for joy. Somebody hold your peace. The wind is blowing over your Somebody needs to just prophesy. <laughs> Depression is not my portion. Anxiety is not my portion. Being afraid at night is not my portion. That is not my, I do not receive it. And for the enemy that would try to lay it on me, the Lord rebuke you. Not my portion. Suicide is not my portion. I didn't feel this in the first service. I feel it in this moment. Suicide is not my portion. He's come that I might have life abundantly. Joy is not an emotion. 
It is a gift of the Spirit. It is yours. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Darkness, the Lord rebuke you. Anger, the Lord rebuke you. Division, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. I have the mind of Christ. I am who God says I am. The Lord rebuke you. I will not give my mind over to the adversary. This weapon will not prosper. You can't have my mind. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Oh, Jesus. I don't know why, but I feel it in my spirit. Cancer is not your portion. What do you call it when it comes back? What do you call it when it comes back? It's remission when it's done, but when it comes back. I don't remember the word, but that's not your portion. Oh, God have mercy. I don't care what the lump feels like. It's not your portion. I don't care if your body is feeling like it did. It's not your portion. He has risen with healing in his wings. We declare it over our minds in Jesus' name. We will not receive the report of anyone else. Uh. Somebody slip up their hands and just worship, just worship. I, just worship. The wind is blowing. <laughs> the wind is blowing. He's changing some things. He's providing some things. Yeah. He's separating us from some things. And he's breathing life. You will live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. Because it's in the wind. It's in the wind. Somebody who's struggling financially. I can't get out of it. I just can't. I just feel the presence of the Lord. Somebody who's in a struggle. Keep your eyes closed because this is between people and God. But if you're in a financial struggle, I want you to grab something, a tangible something. I don't care if it's a dollar. I don't care if it's a credit card. I'm not receiving an offering. That's not what this is about. I want you to grab your wallet. Grab your pocketbook. Grab something out of your pocketbook. If you're in debt, grab a credit card. I don't know what it is, but I want you to grab something. And I want you to make a tangible and say, Lord, I thank you right now that provision is coming to my house, that the wind is blowing over my finances. I just heard the Lord say, I'm going to blow over your finances, and then I'm going to blow your mind with what I do in your finances. I'm going to blow over your finances, and then I'm going to blow your mind with what I do in your finances.
Thank you, Lord, because that's the area you've been afraid of. That's the area you've been walking in fear, and that's the only reason I'm dealing with it. Because Holy Spirit is blowing right now over that, and then he's going to blow your mind because you trusted him. He's going to give you a vision to attain it. You're going to attain it, and then he's going to blow your mind with blessing. Oh, God. I hear the Lord saying creative streams of income. Creative streams of income. That's what I hear the Lord saying, creative streams of income. The Garden of Eden had four streams that came out of the river. I hear the Lord saying, look for four streams, creative streams of income. You will not be one dimensional in this next season. <laughs> Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. glad to be in the presence of God. Just give him praise. Just give him one last praise. I just, while I was praying, I heard the Lord say, establish the borders of your land. I don't know if you've got walking, I don't know, I don't know what it, I know you're in the season of building, I know you're in the season of building, but what I saw was I saw you walking and posting stakes, and there's borders where the enemy can't come in over your children, over what you're building. I heard the Lord say, I'm building a refuge, I'm building a safe place, establish those borders is what I heard the Lord say when we were praying just a moment ago, wouldn't embarrass you for the Lord, we got too much history, wouldn't embarrass you for the world, but I heard the Lord say, establish the borders for the sake of your children and your children's children. There are generations of refuge and safety that they'll live in because in this price, this season where you're building, you have established those borders. Amen. Amen. Let, let me pastor for 30 seconds. Y'all know what that means, right? That means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It's just what we say to make you feel like you're about to get out of here. No, in all seriousness, let me pastor you for 30 seconds. Listen, we are in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you're not fasting, that's okay. You haven't fasted this week. Jump in with us right now. We got 14 days. 
Bible study on Wednesday night. We're, we're, we're opening the Word of God. The Lord told me to, to teach on fasting for breakthrough this Wednesday. We're, I'm going to help you understand fasting for breakthrough. What does that look like where you're dealing with spiritual warfare? Fasting for a breakthrough. If there's an area that has been held up, clogged up in your life, I encourage you to inconvenience your schedule to come or watch online if you can't get here, 7 o'clock on Wednesday. And then Friday, we just come together and we pray. I submit to you that if you're too good to pray, you're probably too good for Jesus. Come on, because it's our communication. Heaven invades, and he'll begin to groan for us praying according to the will of the Father over our lives. We pray together for one hour. For one hour, we pray together on Friday nights for only two more Fridays. But listen, I felt so strongly about this at the end of the service, and the Lord just confirmed that this is a moment I need to say it as well for this congregation. For the next 14 days, I want you to break up with everything that steals God's portion for your life. I want you to hear me. Hear my heart. This is the heart of a pastor. I want you to break up with everything and everyone that steals God's portion over your life. I call them joy suckers. That's what I call them. I call them joy suckers. That the moment I see them coming, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like the moment, the moment you see them coming, you're like, oh. God, here it comes again. The moment you see their post on social media, you don't even have to read it, but you already don't agree with it. And it, it distracts you. Now, if they live in your house, I can't help you. Unless you're not married, then kick them. But I want you to intentionally break up with things that pull your affections away from your portion. Sacrifice them and sacrifice it. A moment ago, I was praying over perversion. If it's your phone, break up with your phone for 14 days. If it is your computer, break up with your computer for 14 days, but you don't understand, I work. Let, let the Holy Spirit guide you. I submit to you, if all you're doing is working, why are you addicted? Why is that bondage always infiltrating you if that's all you do is work on that device? It may be a working device, and then it is a device that is working by the enemy. And for the next 14 days, I want you to break up with it. If, if, if you are in a texting, conversating relationship with somebody who is pulling your affections away from Christ, for 14 days, shut them down. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be ugly. You just let them know me and Jesus are really getting together for the next 14 days. And I can't, I, I can't be with people right now. Break up with them. Come on. For the sake of not having your affections taken away from the Lord. I promise you, it'll be the greatest days of your life. Some of you, the greatest thing you could do is get off social media. There will, there will be more joy in your life, and you'll be amazed at how much time you get simply by not being. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There are some of us that are so addicted to our phones, we can't even have conversations without being on it.
and we're not even doing anything, but we're just so used to being distracted. Break up with it and grab your word for the next 14 days. And I promise you, radical transformation will sweep into your life in significant ways. That's what I heard the Lord say. Now, you could try the Spirit to see if it's of God, but I, I know I heard the Holy Spirit about it. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your wind. Thank you for your sons and daughters that are in this room and those that are watching literally around the world and those that will be listening later on this week. Father, I pray bountiful blessings as we give you our sacred assembly, as we come together for such a time as this. Do significant things. We'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise for it. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Somebody give him an amen and say, so be it unto me. Hey man, hang on just one second before I'm gonna you leave. I'm going to let you go. I'm not going to preach anymore. I just...